This is Ein Yaakov. And we are on page Reish Lamed Aleph in our books. This is in Perek Shvi. The Dafin Gemara would be Lamed Dalet Amid Beis. And we are at the very bottom of that giant paragraph, Ayin Hey. We're near the bottom of it. And we have like one last note about being in the middle of the Arden. We've been talking for like a week now about being in the middle of the Jordan River. We spent a lot of time in the middle of it. Yeshua had multiple messages that he passed to the Jewish people while they were in the Arden. One of them was that, they, uh, that if they're not ready to conquer the land, that the water is going to drown them. Be ready to conquer. Be ready to take over. We had another one. You have to collect a whole bunch of rocks. Take those rocks and lift them. We talked last time about how much they could lift. Uh, and to show the Yidin one day that you were inside that river. Now we're in Pligi. Pligi ba Ravami Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. This is our last note about being in the middle of the yard in Chadam. And they had an argument, though, uh, between Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. One of them said, One of them said that they passed the yard and they went through the Jordan River in their formation, the way that they marched. So they each had their tribes in formation, you know, with the flags, four major groups, and each of those groups had three tribes in them. And the, the ark wouldn't have been in the middle, so they wouldn't have been in perfect formation, because as we already mentioned, the Aaron went out front for this particular march. But one, one parish is that they, they went in their normal camp layout, that they went in as a group. And uh, and Rabbi Elazar Rabbi would tell you that they went in a straight line. The other opinion is, the other opinion is that according to everybody, they went in as they were camped. And the debate is whether the water was rushing up faster than they were walking through. The important point for us to take away here is that there is probably a machlekes, so there's machlekes about the machlekes. There is probably a machlekes whether they entered the water in a straight line one after one, so whether they said, okay, you know, you're all trapped traveling in a camp and now single file, everybody stand up, we're going to have, we're going to have Ellie Cohen's going to be the leader, he's the line leader, everybody line up behind Ellie Cohen and they made a straight line through the Jordan River, <coughs> or whether they went in in camp formation. Now, um, Tasis points out that there's a problem with this, and uh, the problem is that according to either parish, but uh, according to either parish, the river's not wide enough. The river's not wide enough because we have a whole bunch of Gemaras that talk about what the Yidin did when they were all together inside the river. And if they're going in a straight line, it's totally not wide enough. The Yidin are longer in a line than, it, than the entire width of this river. But, uh, uh, they wouldn't fit inside, right? This is the pre- Either way, they don't fit. Seiza says that even if you do it as a camp, which is the one Tasis asked, if they go in as a camp, that they went in as camps, if they went in the camp formation, the length of the camp from one end to another was 12 mil. The width of the yard in at its widest point, says Tasis, is, um, is 50 amas. One meal equals 2,000 amas. And if you are confused, I was too. I actually had to do like fractions. So I wrote down on a piece of paper that one mil over 2,000 ama and X mil over 50 ama, and I got that the width of the yard then is something like 0.025 of a mil. So the yidn are, um, the yidn are going to be are significantly wider. The camp is, is, is several orders of magnitude wider than the river is itself. So even if they enter as a camp, they're going to have only a small number of yidn in the actual water while everybody else is on either side, yes? <coughs> Your answer is one of the answers Tesis gives, more or less. The first answer Tesis gives, which it rejects, but the fact that it's one of Tesis' Havaminas still would have gotten you a sticker in my day. I would have come home with a, I was, I was Mechavin to Tesis' Havamina. So Tesis says, maybe they crossed, and as they crossed, while they were crossing, they kind of made a loop. So, and by the way, Tesis does this all the time. It's a classic Tesis, because Tesis did this already by Kriyas Yamsuf. You know the thing that Reb always says, that he mentions so many sikhas where they entered in one side and they came out the other? That's a Tesis. So Tesis loves making, Tesis will not just allow people to cross bodies of water. This is a, it's a problem. But uh, when it comes to the Arden, Tesis has the idea, maybe they went in straight, and then when they got to the opposing bank, they made a sharp right turn, or left turn, but I picture it as a right turn. They made a sharp right turn, and then they walked along the bank of the river while everybody else came out. So they made an L shape. Not that they made a U, they made an L. They went in, and then they went straight alongside, 
until everybody was out, and then when they were all on the other side like this, they continued traveling. So there was a period of time where uh, the last tail of the Yidden would be in the Yarden, the rest of them were along the bank like so, and that's when Yeshua was lecturing them. Tesis rejects this, but this is Tesis' initial idea, it was also Levi's idea. Tesis does reject this for a few reasons, says uh, it would have been hard to hear Yeshua. Now, I don't even get that rejection, because I think in a camp of 12 mil, it's also hard to hear Yeshua. He didn't have a microphone, I mean, the, the camp was big, it was the, time, it was the size of Tchum Shabbos. Where so, are we? Uh, Where are we? No, we're not what in the weather. Because that's like the width of Eretz Yisrael in some places. That's the other problem. That's the second, second problem. Problem number one in Tesis is that you wouldn't be able to hear the whole way. And problem number two is that if they were going out single file spanning the length of the river, they're going to be longer than the land of Israel. They're going to, they're going to be longer than the Yarden. They're going to run out of river. Because uh, you, have to, you have to remember, you're talking Shishim Ribe, 600,000 men. So you have at least that in women and children. You probably have something like 1.2 million people, 1.5 million people. 1.5 million people in a straight line is longer than the, Yarden, in the, than the Jordan River in the first place. So uh, Tesis says you just. Right, you're, 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 it's just not going to work. Tesis has a second answer, which is very chassidish, very chassidish answer. Tesis' second answer, they smushed. They went in as a camp, and then when they got in, they're like, oh, there's not going to be enough room, and they just kind of kept on mushing each other until they were smushed, smushed in, and they smushed. When you smush 2.2 million people, you can smush them into a river. And I believe a misnagid learns this Tesis and says, I don't know how, and a chassid goes, I've been to 770 by Slichus, and I know how you can take 1.2 million people and smush them into your yard. But anyway, that's the one that Tesis, uh, the Tesis goes with in the end. Tesis' final answer. Says, that in the river itself they didn't stand in camp formation and they smushed themselves in there's a sikha from the Rebbe you'll find in Teres Menachem volume uh, it's from the year Tavshin Mamhe they haven't redone it in the fancy new ones yet so it's still when it's sikhas so Tavshin Mamhe volume 4 page 2103 cannot wait till they redo the mems and the Rebbe there says that the Yidden both when they were traveling and when they were resting were always in camp formation they didn't have a thing that where they were traveling they traveled in formation and then when they would camp for a while they would relax and they could hang out wherever they wanted to you were always in formation at all times through the desert entering Eretz Yisrael as we just saw in our Gemara even when they were literally crossing the Jordan River, they weren't able to break camp formation and go in single file, because the Maskan of the Gemara is that they went in as camps. The Yidden never left camp formation. The Rebbe says, why was, why was Hashem insistent that the Yidden never leave their camp formation? And the answer is that camp formation was how they served Hashem. They had the Aaron in the middle, usually, and their formation that they had in the desert was their formation of divine service. That was them guarding the Aaron in a certain way, and them standing in their battalions to guard the Aaron HaKadosh. That, um, that was their way of showing that they were serving God right now. That was them in their hat and jacket. And uh, people have a Havamina that when I'm, you know, when I'm doing my Avedah, I have to have my hat and jacket. Of course, I'm not going to have to in my hat and jacket. But come on, when I'm relaxing, maybe not. Nobody goes to bed in their hat and jacket. I mean, I do. But most people don't go to sleep in their hat. So, <laughs> the Devin says, he's, he's talking in the summer about people who want to take time off. He says, this is a, people have this problem when it comes to summer vacations. But in any event, the Devin's point is that Hashem, they were trying to tell us when we were in the desert, there is no point of time where you are not in the camp of Hashem. And there's no point in time where you can afford to break rank. You can't break rank while you're traveling. You can't can't break rank while you're relaxing. You can't break rank on vacation. As a matter of fact, our community is great at this. If you're looking in our WhatsApp group, people coming back from their vacations are putting tefillin on people in the airport. This is what it means to not break rank. You know, there are people who are off the clock. A yid is never off the clock, and a chassid is never off the clock, and a chassid of the Rebbe is really, really never off the clock. And the Rebbe's way of depicting that is by saying that no matter how you're traveling, whether you're standing still in the desert or traveling or going in the middle of the river or on the other side of the river, I'm not breaking formation. I am, I'm not literally, you don't literally need to wear your hat to bed, but we do all wear our hats to bed. That is, there is not a moment where we're not on. A chassid has to always be a soldier, a chassid is always on, and a chassid is always doing their job. So we never break formation. And that's why even in the, that's why even in the yard, then, the Yidin did not break formation. We have a little bit of time left. That's only seven minutes. You want to do a little more? Let's do a little more. Ayin vav. Shlach l'cha nashim yasuru. As long as we're... Oh, 
As long as we're talking about the spies anyway, because he talks about the spies going in across the Yarden. The Gemara now talks about the original spies, the spies that got us stuck in the, in the desert for 40 years in the first place. It says here, Shlach l'chan Hashem in the Pasuk. Uh, send out messengers. Send out, uh, not messengers, send out spies. People. You remember this from Rashi. God tells Meisha, You, if you want to, if you, Meisha Rabbeinu, want to send spies to check out Eretz Yisrael, you can, but this is not on me. I'm not taking credit for this idea. This isn't God's idea. It's not a commandment. If you're interested, you send them. And because does a person choose a bad chedek for himself? The way Rashi understands this, other Mepharshim too, although there are some serious disagreements in Rashi, and how to understand this particular line. I'm going to read it like the, like the majority, I believe. Like, I think the majority of Rishanim, which is that God wouldn't choose a bad deal for himself. God's Adam in this one. God wouldn't choose a bad deal for himself. God knew that they were going to do the wrong thing. He can see the future. And he certainly knew that this was not going to go well. Even if he couldn't see the future, he definitely knew that this was going to be a big taiva for them. God knew this wasn't going to be a good idea to send spies in Eretz Yisrael. He would not have commanded it. God wouldn't have given a tziva that was likely to end poorly or definitely going to end poorly, depending on how you understand the story of the spies. So God wouldn't have chosen this for himself. But Meshul could choose it for God because Meshul wouldn't know what's going to happen. So obviously this was on Mesha, God wouldn't have commanded to send the spies. God wouldn't choose a bad deal for himself. This is what it means in the Pasuk when it says, Mesha Rabbeinu says, I thought it was a good idea to send the spies because Mesha was masking him to it. It was a good idea to me, says Mesha. It wasn't necessarily a good idea to Hashem. Really quickly, two commentaries on it that we're going to call it for the night. First of all, uh, why did Meshe do something that Hashem didn't seem to want, that wasn't good in God's eyes? It's very strange. Meshe Rabbeinu was batum avotel to Hashem, most humble man ever to live. He certainly didn't come up with his own ideas. Why did he do something God didn't want him to do? Rashi's answer here, if you look in Rashi, let me see if I can find it to show you. Huh? That's also a good question, um, which we're going to answer. But hang on, let me find the Rashi I want to show you. Ledaitcha, um, perhaps. Where is this Rashi? Ani Eini Mitzvah Yisach. Where is that? Whatever. I don't know if I can. Ani Eini Mitzvah Yischava Yisrael Hem Lecha Shalchem Kedichsiv Tikrumei Lekulchem. There we go. Lidaitcha. Rashi Lidaitcha. Rashi Lidaitcha says it wasn't Meisha's idea. Meisha wasn't involved in this. Shlach Lecha was was Legabe the Yidden. It was the Yidden's idea. So we generally say that this wasn't God's idea. This was Meisha's idea. Rashi saying Meisha says this was my idea. There was the Yidden's idea. So the Yidden had this bad idea. Um, that's not a total answer. Huh? Not a total answer to the question, but when you look at the Mimer of the Rebbe in Shlach for Tavshin Yod Aleph, he sort of uses that answer to give a much more comprehensive answer, which of course the true answer. That is that the, as we've explained many times, what Chassidus is, is the soul of Yiddishkeit. So it's not Seyser uh, Rashi or even adding to Rashi, it's really explaining Rashi. The, two ex- the true explanation of this Gemara and Rashi is Alderach the, is Alderach the Mimer of the Rebbe's first Mimer in Shlach from Tavshin Yod Aleph. The Rebbe there says, that it's true that the Yidden did pressure Meshach. I think is the Lushan. The Yidden did gather on Meshach and really push him to send spies. Nonetheless, he wouldn't have sent them unless he thought it was a good idea, the Rebbe says. Meshach is not one to be bullied by the Yidden. If the Yidden have a bad idea and they all say they want something and Meshach really thinks it's a bad idea. Huh? What about it? The Tikkun lie? That one's much later in Devarim when he retells the story of the spies. So when he retells the story of the spies, he says, you guys all ganged up on me and made me do it. So says the Rebbe, nobody, nobody made Meshe do anything. It was their idea, but Meshe Rabbeinu would not have done it unless he also thought it was a good idea. Uh, and uh, 
Be- and, and that's not the only reason. Also because Hashem told him, When Hashem told him, that you had to send only if you think it's a good idea, that was a tzivah. So whereas Hashem never commanded Moshe Rabbeinu to send spies, Hashem did command Moshe Rabbeinu only to send spies if he thought it was a good idea. So Moshe had to keep that rule. So the Rebbe says, absolutely Moshe wanted to do this. We can be sure. Even though Moshe sounds in the Dvarim like he didn't really want it, we can be 100% sure Moshe wanted this. So the Rebbe's question becomes, why didn't Moshe want this? Remember, Rashi sort of pawned it off on the Yidden. The Rebbe says, doesn't matter. Moshe couldn't have done unless he also wanted it. Why did Moshe want it? And the Rebbe's answer is, and with this we're going to conclude, that uh, Hashem was telling Moshe that he can only send them with his das. That is, if they are under your influence, they will succeed. And if they're not under your influence, they will not succeed. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I think they're under my influence. I think I can convince them. So Moshe Rabbeinu gave them an Asinas Kayach. He gave them the power to conquer Gashmias, to enter Eretz Yisrael and conquer the land, to not be swayed by the Yetzaharas. And he gave them that power. All they had to do, because he's a Rebbe, all they had to do, what's the only thing you have to do if you want to get something from a Rebbe? Be bottle to the Rebbe. If a Rebbe wants to give you a bracha, all you have to do is open the channel. You don't have to do much. You just have to not get in the way. However, 10 of the spies had egos still. 10 of the spies had their own ideas. They thought Ruchnius was more important than Gashmias, and they had their own ideas. They were not bottled to the ideas of Meshur Rabbeinu, and Meshur Rabbeinu's Nesiyan Askerach simply did not go into them, and they didn't get the bracha. So they came back, and they, they ended up doing an Avera. They came back with a negative report, and the only two people who were bottled to Meshur came back with a positive report and all the power to come in and conquer the land of Israel, because that's what Meshur was giving them. So now, when Hashem says to now you recap, according to the Mimer, you get an entirely different understanding of the story. Hashem tells Mesha, only send those spies if you're sure that they're bottle enough to you to receive your hashpa. And Mesha Rabbeinu says, okay, I think they're bottle enough, which he did. And he was incorrect about that. Ten of them were not, and they came back with a negative report. And that's how it's possible that Hashem told Mesha shlach lecha l'daitcha. It's also how it's possible that Mesha did it l'daitcha, and also possible that he didn't influence Mesha, which fits in with the Rashi and the Gemara perfectly without getting in the way of any of our hashkafic problems. It really is the Rebbe tying together every single thread. That's it for tonight. Thank you all very much.